You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13 for Pretty Gory. You may experience swearing, violence, and sexual situations that you engage in often, hopefully never, and only in your dreams. Parents need to watch your children. They could learn more than you want them to. Black Sun Rising, an original science fiction audio drama. Episode 1. Man has reached the stars and colonized the solar system. Colonies are set up in all the major governments of the world, on outposts beginning from the first research stations of the Earth's moon, stretching from Mercury to the Nord 1 colony on Pluto. The science of terraforming planets is in its infancy, and harsh worlds now have breathable atmospheres, and in some cases, vegetation has even started to take hold. Utilizing nuclear science as the first ships capable of FTL, point one faster than light speed, have been built to land in the stars. In the year 2091, the Asimov-1 deep space probe was launched, but it never made it past the halfway point on man's first deep space mission to Alpha Centauri. Since then, two more ships have been built, the Asimov 2 and Asimov 3. In the year 2097, the Asimov 2 was launched and attended the same reports from communication pods sent back to Earth from various points along the journey have been positive, as the Asimov 2 traveled farther than man has ever been in the cosmos. Yet for all these scientific advances, first contact has yet to occur. Man still believes he is the master of all This is about to change. We now join the Asimov 2 mission in the year 2101 AD. Fire, deep space probe, Asimov 3. Right. Their launch station. 
University of or sunny Florida. Oh, I miss the beach. Welcome all the solar system's colonies from Mercury to Pluto back to the Solar NFL's premier game day and 3D pre-game show live on Earth. And here's the football's Venus, Jillian G in her intra-solar system game day weather forecast. The Solar NFL League. <laughs> this is Jillian G and my weather round. First up, game one of our doubleheader, we cruise out to Mars. Check out the 3D graphics as I show off the latest bikini and my new Skimpy Sports apparel line. The weather forecast for the Martian Maulers is a red dust storm. Yep, as if that's a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jillian. This is Carmen Cayendra coming from Washington, D.C. Sorry to interrupt today's bone-crushing solar football grudge match between the Titans and the Maulers, but sources tell me that El Presidente has called an emergency security council meeting at the White House. Even Admiral Veers is in attendance. I wonder what's going on up there to bring in all the top brass. After all, things that make you go, hmm. Anyway, the Solar News Corps will keep on top of the stories it breaks for you, our awesome audience. We now return you to the Titans and the Maulers after a word from the Shamzao hunk. Mm-hmm. This is Carmen Kayandra keeping an eye on the news and the slinky in fashion. If you had a Shamzao, you'd get rid of all the dust that ever came into your life. Yeah, that Shamzao only 1995. Put a sham now on your solar credit card and get a second shams out for free. Booyah! All day long you'd clean and clean and clean if you had a shams out. Booyah! Attention on deck. President arriving. Thank you, Staff Sergeant. As you were. Joint Chief, Security Advisors. Okay. I have a meeting scheduled with the United Nations this afternoon. Press conference scheduled in about an hour. Admiral Beers, what is the situation? Mr. President, as you have seen in the security briefs today, uh, we've received a transmission. Make that the final transmission from the Asimov II. Yes, that's what I gathered from the reports earlier. Hmm. Having received zero status reports for the past year from the space pods, the Asimov II was supposed to have been sending back every month in light of the evidence contained in a... <coughs> Transmission of unknown origin. The Asimov II is now officially categorized as destroyed. That's the long and short of the situation, correct? Yes, sir. Hmm. First off, do we have any reason to believe this transmission was a hoax? Failing that, and assuming the information is correct, that this incident could possibly be a terrorist attack. An act of sabotage, perhaps. No, sir. And it wasn't the Russians, the Chinese, or any of our allies. Hmm. I assume the CIA and her sister arm, the Solar OSS, have confirmed this beyond a shadow of a doubt, then? Aye, sir. Hmm. Like the Asimov One? Aye, sir. And I hesitate to phrase it this way, but I have to know, was it... First contact, sir? Uh, I don't like it either. But the evidence supports this conclusion. Okay. Okay. I assume the evidence you refer to is the transmission in question. Aye, sir. Mr. President, allow me to turn this meeting of the Security Council over to Bob Dolan, head of NASA. He is far better equipped than this old sea dog to uh, answer your questions. Very well. Mr. Dolman, present your opinions on this and be brief. Yes, sir, Mr. President. With the distances involved between Alpha Centauri and the Earth, Add to that the fact that no other colonial outpost in the solar system received this transmission, it had to originate from an extraterrestrial source. A source utilizing a technology beyond that of any government on Earth. The wavelengths used for military and interplanetary communication could not have reached the Earth, much less our mission control station in Houston and only our mission control center in Houston in so short a time. It would have taken years. 
Therefore, I must conclude that it was an intentional communique from who or for what purpose. We have no clue at this time. The position points, ship data, and timeline, not to mention the actual real-time video feed from the Asimov 2 uploaded into the received transmission on Earth, were genuine. No country on Earth or the settlements throughout the solar system could have faked this transmission. I repeat, it was intentional and not... You posited the transmission was intentional and not of human origin. Yes, sir, Mr. President. And it was sent in a wavelength and by means that don't correspond to anything we know. We still aren't really sure how we were able to get the transmission, much less understand it at all, if I must be frank about this. We have Dr. Rand to thank for that. She was the one that deciphered it upon receipt. And then second wave of transmission started, but even with Dr. Rand's assistance, we have been unable to decipher them. Very well. So we have first contact. Shot terraform Hot. grad. Heat this rock. I could use a tan. Funny, Dylan. Damn gloves. Ugh, coffee. Need coffee now. Trust me, if I have an epiphany, this whole damned rock's gonna make Cabo San Lucas seem like Canada, complete with very sexy cabana boys to oil me to perfection. Damn, it's cold here, too. Right. I'll buy the first Mai Tai and get you a pink umbrella. Is the perimeter okay? Yeah, cold and frozen. As if anything changes on this rock. Oh, come to Mama Java! <sighs> what? <sighs> it should be perfect for the first mission outside our solar system. Wish I was. Okay, there. thanks for doing the sweep. <sighs> this is Pluto Launch Control, Dylan speaking. Perimeter is clear, mission green. I repeat, the mission is green. Do you copy, Asimov 3? Copy that, Nord 1 Control. See you back here on Pluto in a few years on the flight back. We copy mission and go, Commander of Asimov 3, over. Copy that, Commander. Safe trip and, uh, good hunting for the lost ones. Keep the home fires burning, Pluto Bay. You'll find Asimov 2. Commander Adam Wentworth, Asimov 3. I so should be on that mission to Elf. Stuck in that hunk of junk for four years? Not me. I'd rather have this cushy desk job any day, my friend. Cushy desk job? Here? Pluto? Oh, my God, are you... It's so cold on this rock, the terraformed atmosphere has the consistency of gravy <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Oh, maybe so, Sarah, but it sure beats the hell out of being stuck in a cold metal star probe hurtling through the cosmos at point one past the speed of light to who knows what. Not to mention the living conditions on a star trip. Ever been in one of those probes? You gotta go on a spacewalk just to change your mind. Damn. My only vice these days and I need a refill. Here, let me... Thanks. You smoke too much, Dylan. Apollo missions were spacious compared to those things. <laughs> and I only smoke after the evening meal. Thank you very much, Mother. Anything has to be better than this, Uncle Vice. Oh, I want Cabana Boys. Cabana Boys and sushi. Two sugars, creamer. Here, it's hot. Thanks. Practically the only thing that is hot on this shitball. 
it's still not good for you, Dylan. Lots of things aren't good for a person, but trust me, it's better here than out there in one of those metal death traps. Even with the cold here. I was on Asimov 1. We almost didn't make it back. <laughs> you were on Asimov 1? I read about it while doing my thesis for my master's. The Academy? <laughs> oh god, I'm getting old. I should have put two and two together. What really happened? You really want to know, huh? Reactor in the engine core blew right after passing the halfway point. Shit. Where's my... Aha. Dylan, you can't smoke inside the complex. Write me up then, Sarah. Wouldn't be the first time I got called in front of the board. Anyway, we coasted for two years till they were able to get us. Food running out. Crew of ten living in a box smaller than this command center here. Half were mad. One went cannibal. I had to put him down. With my bare hands. Permanently. Came back a crew of seven. Two eaten. One strangled. The rest malnourished and close to death or insanity. Government covered that bit up. There was an appropriations meeting of Congress right about then. They couldn't lose their funding. Oh no. Gotta reach the stars. Gotta roll more pork into the bill rather than spend bucks on building a better starship. Or scrapping the whole first contact idea. Then we lose contact with Asimov 2. My fiance was the captain on that damn Asimov 2 flight. Jesus. Jesus don't make FTL jumps, my young friend. Trust me. Nothing out there in the dark of the spaceways. But hell. Never catch me in another one of those death traps. Anyway. I could have gone after her. Hell, I was offered the captain's chair on the Asimov 3. But I knew what I'd find, so I... Shit. Enough ancient history. Guess we gotta get this probe up and away from the gas station. Maybe they can... Maybe they can do what I can't. Or won't. Wentworth, for all his bullshit and ego, he's a good pilot. He's just an asshole. Sarah, can you grab me that... What's that? Incoming transmission. From Earth. Weird. They must have sent that a couple hours ago for it to reach us out here. Yeah. Let's see what they want. This is Director Carlson, Solar OSS Director by order of the President. North One Colony, Commander Pike. I pray this message is received prior to Asimov free launch. Abort Mission Alpha. I repeat. What? Abort Mission Alpha. Asimov 3 is grounded until further notice. Why? Asimov 2 transmission was received minutes ago Earth time. What? First They're... contact. They're alive? They all died. Oh my god. And this is for Pike. Remember the non-disclosure. Jesus! Just to keep this straight in my head, the first contact destroyed the Asimov 2 deep space probe. And now we have a second set of unknown transmissions that only our Houston mission control is capable of receiving. Gentlemen, in light of this evidence, and as much as I hate to say it, I'm going to have to ground all interstellar flights in the solar system, accepting transports for priority life-sustaining supplies. The economy's going to tank, my approval ratings are going to spiral down, and the radio talk show hosts are going to have fodder for years. Public's going to be screaming for my head. But until we know more, I don't see it any other way. Which brings me to the next question. The Asimov 3 was awaiting launch on Pluto. It's going to go out and search for the Asimov 2. You did stop that launch, correct? Yes, sir, Mr. President. It was close, and the final countdown was nearing ignition, but Nord 1 Mission Control aborted it in time. Good. Well, you all realize we do have to send out the Asimov 3 out there. We have to know what's going on in space. It could be a science fiction nightmare invasion. It could be anything. The security of the Earth depends on this. They may not return. Am I correct in my analysis? Aye, sir. Yes, sir. What about the Asimov 3? she armed? No, sir. It, like the Asimov 1 and the Asimov 2 before her, is a research vessel. Okay. <clears throat> Veers, as much as I hate to say this, and trust me, my Democrat base is going to hate me for this. I think we need to arm the Asimov 3. Aye, sir. 
I know it would take too long to construct a Dreadnought-class Warbird as of now. No, I'm aware. We have one under construction already. How soon could a refit of the Asimov III be accomplished? Oh, I agree, Mr. President. And yes, we will have our first military aircraft carrier ready for launch from our Apollo base on the moon in about a year and a half. As to the Asimov III refit, I just so happen to have a contingency plan awaiting your approval. Here, my report. Give me two months. I can swing equipment from Ceres Station in the asteroid belt and grab personnel from our Titan base off Saturn, which will also cut down on transport time to Pluto for the refit. We also have a Spec Ops outpost on Pluto, which will volunteer some troops for the Asimov III mission. Also, uh, Mr. Dolman here has offered to lend some tech support from the NASA research facility orbiting Uranus to expedite the refit of the Asimov III. Very well. Here, in this one, we're done. Here, Admiral Pierce. Signed. Mr. Dolman, before we adjourn from this meeting, the crew of the Asimov III, uh, I'm assuming they're all experienced in intrasolar system flight. Uh, yes, Mr. President. All have made the colonial outpost runs throughout the solar system. Are any of them experienced outside the solar system? Were any a part of the initial short-range probe missions around the rim about a decade ago? <clears throat> um, no, sir. Why is that? It would seem to me prudent on a mission of this magnitude experience would be the utmost concern. Well, Mr. President, most of those astronauts have retired or no longer meet mission requirements for space piloting. Hmm. Most, you say? There is one. Who? <clears throat> Pilot Dylan Pike. Pike? The Dylan Pike? The same Pike who was given the Medal of Honor for getting the crew of the Asimov One back alive? Where is he, and why isn't he a part of this mission? Mr. President, <clears throat> he refused to fly again. This was before the alien transmission. Then he was <clears throat> demoted from the space program to Mission Control Head on Pluto. Pike is on Pluto? Mission Control Head on Pluto is being tantamount to sent out to pasture. Other than the recent Asimov missions, nothing of note beyond supply transports makes it out that far. Not often at that. I used to make those runs when I played for the Saturn Titans. <laughs> that was years ago. I digress. Mr. Dolman, why in God's name was Pike demoted and hung out to dry? He started having problems with... with alcohol. And rather than kick him out of the service, in light of all his accomplishments, he was given the option of the Nord 1 base on Pluto, or being fired without pension. Fired without pension? His wife was the captain of the Asimov II. He's still competent, though. No, fully, sir. But I don't You're think You're not that... here to think, Mr. Dolman. You're here to advise. Make him the captain. Give him a, his pick of the crew. Whoever he trusts. But, sir, he refuses to ever fly again. Not to mention that when he's not sober, he's a hazard to himself. And others. He's a fifth degree black belt, for God's sake. And when Pike drinks, he drinks. And he gets angry. And the next thing you know, he puts people in ICU. And usually they're shore patrol and high-ranking officials. That's enough, Mr. Dolman. I take it you ended up in ICU? Yes. Hand me a service jacket. Now? Yes, Mr. President. Here. Hmm. As bad as this is, I've seen worse. And I think that I, yeah, I, I can make Mr. Pike see the light of day in view of all the documented infractions. Make him a deal he can't refuse. Admiral Veers, get the Air Force One shuttle fueled up. After my summit with the UN, I want to meet Pike personally. Aye, sir. Mr. President. If you're going down this path, you have to know... What do I have to know, Mr. Dolman? I would recommend at least a few technicians and or a pilot from the current Asimov 3 crew on Pluto to be added to Pike's crew. 
Though, they're not going to be happy about their crew being scrubbed from the scheduled mission. Happy's not a concern of mine, Mr. Dolman. The security of the Earth and its colonies throughout the solar system is. But you do have a point. I want Pike to handpick his crew to make him feel comfortable. Well, I'll grant you two members of the current crew. Captain Wentworth and uh, his second-in-command, Rochelle, I think, if memory serves. Mr. President. Just to have a backup in case Mr. Pike somehow finds a bar in deep space and goes on a binge. But drop Wentworth and Rochelle in rank so that the whole crew knows Pike is the captain. Well, they're not going to like that. Pike, Wentworth, and Rochelle have a, a history. Wentworth is the one that turned Pike in. Then it'll keep Pike on his toes and hopefully on the straight and narrow. This meeting's adjourned. <clears throat> Veers, after my press conference, see to it the shuttle of Pluto is ready. Aye, sir. You'll have my word. Attention on deck. Good day, gentlemen. President departing. Intergalactic shams out. Your transport will shine like new, even after a transit to the Ceres colony in the asteroid belt. That shams out. Only 1995. Put a sham now on your solar credit card and get a second shams out for free. Remember to throw in a transit air freshener to hang from your control panel. Booyah! 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 Jillian G and my weather Rob. Check out the 3D graphics and my tan. The weather forecast for the Cloud Minded 2 colony on Venus is, you guessed it, humid with neon green clouds rolling in later in the day. Now, follow the 3D graphic over to the Vogue Stadium and check out this new pressure system building here to the south. Perfect home field advantage for the Valkyries. So, keep those infrared filters on if you're going to be at the game later today. And you guys know how much I love me some Venusian Valkyries and that defense! I'm going to take my Valk and their Blitz and D over Euro Team, the Titan Grinders, Teray. The Grinders' rushing attack won't be able to hold up to the Volks' home stadium and that gravity differential, not to mention those Venusian clouds, Teray. <laughs> And you know how much we love those out-of-system weather reports, Jillian G, in your Sola NFL bikini. Only $19.95, and you too could squeeze into that too, folks. Sorry, gotta plug Jillian in that bikini. Just cruise over to nflsolar.com forward slash solar. But my boys from the Titan colony are going to run all over the Valkyries. Gravity differential or no gravity differential, Jillian G. <laughs> I never worried about no gravity differential when I played. <laughs> Shoot, I can't even spell gravity differential. Hold on, Terry. <laughs> what? Oh, our producer says the president's going to make an all-nation speech. So, we now send you over to our bureau in Washington. We'll bring you back to game day after this press conference. Thanks, Jilly and G. Great tan and awesome bikini. Carmen Kayendra here at the White House. The year is 2101 and it's off with a bang. And I'm not talking about the global warming and the 80 degree temperatures in December or the ageless Jillian G and her awesome bikini. I must find out what her secret is because between you and me, my lovely listeners, no 80 year old can look like that. But she is Jillian G, beloved by all on the Solar Reality TV. Where was I? Oh yes, the White House and breaking news. Things are really making me go, hmm. First a Security Council meeting, and now El Presidente has called for an emergency press conference in reference to the lost Asmov 2 manned space probe. It should be coming out in about. This is Press Secretary. Oh, Mr. Press Secretary! Quietly, please. 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 Qu
please. The President will explain everything now. Please be seated. The United States Space Authority, Terror Command 1, here on Earth, received the final transmission from Space Probe Asimov 2, launched four years ago. The Asimov 2 was two months away from being the first manned starcraft from the Earth to orbit another star. It never made it. The brave captain, Danny Bird, and her gallant crew all perished after making first contact with something. Of what or who, we only know that the ship was obliterated. As to any further speculation, we will not be entering into that at this time or this place. I know this is hard to believe, but it's the cold, hard truth. The Asimov too is gone. There is another race in our universe beyond mankind. As to why this last message of the Asimov 2 was broadcast directly to our Earth on Mission Control Station, we have no clue. The transmission was not received by our outpost on Pluto, the Nord 1 colony, which was in the process of assisting the launch of the Deep Space Probe Asimov 3 to search for the missing Asimov 2. That mission has been grounded, pending an inquiry into the Asimov 2 catastrophe. None of our other colonies in the solar system have received this transmission, nor have the Russians, British, or Chinese colonies either. Make no mistake, this was first contact with an unknown and apparently hostile alien race. This was a warning. Therefore, until we know more, all spaceships, except for essential transports to our colonies throughout the solar system, have been grounded until further notice by my executive order. This decree has also been ratified by the United Nations Space Charter. There will be a memorial service held Sunday to honor our fallen heroes. That's all I can say. This is Carmen Cayandra keeping an eye on the news and the slinky in fashion. Fears. It's Director Carlson's, if you didn't know. Look, it's 2103, and no Dreadnought, and no launch of the Asimov 3. Brand new year, and no starships ready. Why? I don't give a good goddamn if you are head of the Joint Chiefs. As you are well aware, I hold the same rank as head of the CIA and Solar OSS. Not to mention, I have other means at my disposal if you piss me off. Whatever. And yeah, I am going to replace Jillian. Again. I couldn't give a shit what you think about replicant tanks. She is the voice of the solar NFL, and by proxy, my best source for molding public perception. And each has been very good in the sack. What of it? Why the hell do you care, Beers? Mind control, reality TV, and solar core. So what? Because of me, we've avoided World War III, as well as the erosion of freedom, a taxation rate that would be horrific if it were not so downright criminal, not to mention your daughter was cured of the newest strain of cancer last month. And in case you forgot, your son before that, no, I moved her to the front of the line, Veers, just like I did for your son. <clears throat> you owe me. Or did you forget that? Good. Somehow Pike has kept his word and his alcohol consumption within reason. And the president only knows what we want him to know. Yeah, I still have neglected to mention that extraterrestrial forensics on the Asimov 1 engine failure and resulting explosion, which leads to the A2 going kaboom. And now Pike commanding the A3? I'm good like that. Just get the Asimov 3 ready. Shit. The Asimov 3 is ready to launch this week, and you forgot to add me to that memo as well. 
<laughs> Let me understand this. We've been tearing at each other's throats for the past five minutes over the vid phone, just for your own amusement. You're an asshole, you know that, Veers? But a damn good admiral, I have to admit. And you know who your friends are. Do you really think I'd be talking like this if the line wasn't secure? You do your part, and I'll do mine. Your daughter will have her mansion in Aspen, and the cancer will be gone for good. Get the dreadnought ready, Admiral, and launch the damn Dazimov three, and we are golden. Oh, you're welcome. Good day. His order, our asses. You said you wanted to go up in that thing. Now's your chance. I can't believe I'm doing this. We're going to make history! Right. The second statistic in the coming alien invasion. You don't know. It was an invasion. Oh, maybe the Asimov 2 flew too close and it startled the aliens. And they were trying to protect... My fiancé died out there because of those... Christ, we don't even know what they are. I... I'm sorry. Look, this is for real, Sarah. I have a sick feeling in my gut about this. And here we go. Off to get into the alien targeting sites. Hell, no one's even tracked down whatever did that to Asimov, too. Just the message out there. Transmitting the crew's final breath over and over. Danny Bird. My Danny. Captain of that death trap. And then they send us on this mission after scrapping it in every other flight. Dylan. You're the only one with experience out there. Yeah, lucky me. You wanted to see the damn stars. Let's get on with it. At least the military sent a few Spec Ops guys along for the ride and made some armament upgrades to the Asimov III. Military? Upgrades? Armament? I knew Terra Command were refitting the living quarters, but what? Oh, this ain't just a science mission anymore. Dane, this is Director Carlson. Just stop. Stop. Doctor, let me get to the point. The subject in replicant tank 7013A. Yes, Mary Veers Alpha-1 is her designation. Yes, it is who you think it is. Doctor, I don't give a damn what you think. Don't forget, I have been telescans of you and those underage... You do remember. Then no need to release them to Carmen Kyandra for the time being, if you follow my orders. We understand each other, correct? Good. Excellent. Here's what I need you to do, Doctor. Bring subject 70138 to consciousness. I will have... <clears throat> the recuperating Mary Fears delivered to your lab via military airlift from Naval Air Station Clinton at 1900 hours or so. Bandage Mary Veers Alpha 1's head to match the incoming Mary Veers and send the clone back to Naval Air Station Clinton. You have no worries on this one. Your hands are mostly clean. Mostly. <laughs> My men will handle the subtlety of the transfer, and Admiral Veers will chalk up any inconsistencies from the Alpha 1 as cancer recovery. What do you think I want you to do with his real daughter? Dispose of her. 
You heard me. Or do I call Kayanda? Good. Thank you, Doctor. Oh, one more thing. The brainwashing positronic implants. They're functioning at 100% capacity now. Good. I'll be in touch soon. All day long you'd clean and clean and clean If you had a sham sound Booyah! The liquid hydrogen vent valve has been closed and flight pressurization is underway T-minus one minute, fifty seconds and counting T-minus one minute, twenty seconds and counting We can see the purges of the main engines uh, as we prepare for ignition Minus one minute. It has been armed. T minus forty-five seconds and counting. All systems checked out okay. I repeat, we are a go for liftoff, Nord One. How can I handle it? Good luck! Nord One calling off control. Ow! Copy that. You ready, Sarah? I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. There is a god. Glory, hallelujah! Grease monkeys get up here? Sure, Dylan. BF in five. What's up? Course change. Dylan out. Course change? What's going on, Dylan? Yeah. I've been pouring over the last transmissions from the Asimov 2 for the past two years we've been in flight on this tin can. And I think I found something. Just before the uh, final communication from my fiance. Captain Danny Bird mentioned weird transmissions coming from somewhere near Alpha Centauri. So I did some thinking, enlisted our navigator and some of you others in making a few calculations. So that's why you had me transcribing all the statistics on asteroids and the availability of terraforming them. <laughs> I thought you were just curious. Yeah, I am. But not for what you're thinking. I'll let the navigator explain. John? Thanks. Okay, Dylan had this idea based on the fact that across great distances, as you all know, communication signals do not travel at the speed of light, which is why every month or two for the past two years, we send out FTL COM pods back to Earth to status report. Great. 
You know, even us military grunts know that. Two years cooped up in this tin can with nothing to frag. So what? Listen to the man, Sergeant. Aye, sir. Thanks. Anyway, the final transmission from the Asimov II here reached the Earth in near record time as far as everyone studying in the Defense Department could ascertain and was targeted specifically for our United States program in Florida. Dr. Rand, maybe you should take over here. Thank you, John. That transmission was beamed on a wavelength that was beyond top secret. How did it get here? The Asimov II had no communications arrays capable of that, nor do we know how that is even possible. It was done intentionally, but by who or what? I was able to decipher the transmission itself, which led to us all being here. That's our mission now, finding the source of the transmission. As the captain mentioned earlier, before the final message of the Asimov II, strange transmissions were being picked up by the crew itself, but they were unintelligible. Though definitely a language from an intelligent species, from Alpha Centauri, as far as we can ascertain. Though we have no idea if they originated from Alpha Centauri, or were coming from further out because of some other collected data and their wavelengths, as you can now see on screen. Scientific bullshit and ancient history lessons. So? Sergeant. Aye, sir. What you don't know, and was kept secret, was that the extraterrestrial transmissions originally picked up by the Asimov II started being picked up by the Terra-1 command on Earth shortly after the demise of Asimov II. Wait, Becca, what? Then they too stopped. Say again? John? Yeah, they had stopped till about three weeks ago and then we started picking them up. Really? Yes. I've been a little leery all along about using the same flight path as the Asimov II anyway. It just seemed too much like we were being fed into a pending alien meat grinder. So I got to thinking. Based on the makeup of those comm waves, they had to have communication outposts, the beings that is. Even granting that they have superior technology, these transmissions were still radio waves and physics laws can only be bent so much. After conferring with Dr. Rand, as I am far from being an astrophysicist, she agreed. So I asked the navigator to try and triangulate a fix on them if possible. He did. Well, one of them to be precise. With some help from Dr. Rand. So here's what I propose. I plan to alter our flight path to intercept this outpost. A rogue asteroid. This will add a couple of months to the trip, but I think it's worth it. We have supplies for it. What do you think? Hey gang. Dylan, what did we miss? We're gonna change course and finally hunt some aliens. Payback's gonna be a bitch. What? entering the outer edge of its gravitational sphere. Jesus! What's wrong? This thing has near-Earth G, but ow! Okay, that's <laughs> unexpected. This is really, really weird. Sarah, what do you have? Hold on. Weird? What the? Okay, that's just weird. Weird ain't a technical term, Sarah. What are you reading? It's got an atmosphere. And... Holy don't believe us. It's close to Earth. On an asteroid in the middle of nowhere. God help me, I may have been right. Oh, I thought you said God wasn't watching over spacers, Dylan. Funny. John, fire the stationing thrusters. Let's get a closer look. Are you sure? Do it. Okay. Changing course to 175. Gravitational force. Hey, get it! 
Thank you for listening to 2109 BSR Black Sun Rising Episode 1. Written, mixed, and produced by Bill Holway. The cast for tonight's episode, the opening narrator, Jack Ward. Asmov 3, Space Probe Crew. Dylan Pike was Matthew Weller. Sarah Shields was Elaine Barrett. Adam Wentworth was Glenn Sheets. Ray Milano is Chip Joel. John Hightower, Jeff Ballard. Dr. Melanie Rand, Kim Giannopoulos. Sergeant Jane Helsberg, Tanya Milojevic. Asmov 2, Space Probe Crew. Captain Danny Bird, Alex Chipman. Lieutenant Mick McBride, David Krause. Commander Willie Rand, W. Ralph Walters. Pluto Base, Launch Controller 1, W. Ralph Walters. Launch Controller 2, Tanya Milojevic. Launch Controller 3, Bill Holway. Earthcast, Agent Carlson, Lothar Tuppen. President of the USA, Mark Olson. President Press Secretary, Michael Hudson. Admiral Veers, Joe Softko. Bob Dolman, Seth Adam Shear. Marine, Paul Laval. Solar NFL announcer, W. Ralph Walters. Jillian G., Amanda Fitzwater. Sham Zhao Pitchman, Lothar Tuppen. Terry, Paul Lavelle. Carmen Kayandra, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard. And as the journalists, Kyra Greenfield, Draven Schobert, Brian Bokikio, Charlene Harris, Charles Miller, Rick Austin, Stephen K. Farnaby, Kath Donovan, and Carrie Ayers. Music used by permission, Brian Bokikio of Warhorse Audio, Thomas of Oakman's Dreamland, and the Celestial Aeon Project. This has been a Broken Sea Audio production, and I am Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard of Gypsy Audio. Have a good evening.